This episode of the Podular Modcast is brought to you by Recovery Effects and Devices. Quality handmade effects and modules paying homage to classic, synth, and effects designs while innovating for today's studios and musicians. Hello, my name is Tim Held. Welcome to the Podular Modcast, where we... Scale the sonic piece, modular Hey gang, welcome back to the Podular Modcast, episode 2. Today we have Cindy Reichel. Uh, Cindy is the co-founder of my favorite store in the entire world, Patchworks, um, the modular synth store here in Seattle. But you don't have to live in Seattle to uh, shop there. They have an online store. I'm not telling you what to do, but and I know Sweetwater sends you candy when you buy from them, but uh, I don't know, if you're into supporting uh, small business, uh, and you want to buy some modules, go check out their online store and, and see if they have something that you'd like. And, uh, you know, you can feel uh, you feel extra good about your purchase, knowing you helped out some really awesome people in a really awesome store. And it's just, it's doing so much for our, our music community here. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox here, but uh, here are some events for those of you in the Seattle area or those of you visiting Seattle in the month of April. April 8th, Spectral Processing Presentation Workshop. That's at 3 p.m. It will be at Patchworks. Um, and it's uh, Peter Dodds leads a presentation workshop on spectral processing. April 15th, from 1 to 6 p.m. at the Melrose Market Studios. Um, wow, this is crazy. They do so much cool stuff. Um, I'm just going to read off the event page. Join us Sunday, April 15th, 2018 from 1 to 6 p.m. at Melrose Market Studios for an afternoon of exploration and networking with fellow synthesizer enthusiasts. Try out some vintage gear, check out the latest production from Korg, Roland, and others, and share ideas and techniques for creating exciting new sounds. See, this is the type of stuff. Patrick's is so cool that it's not just a store. It's like, it's just a place for, it's, it's a hub. It's a, it's a, it's just i don't know you'll see we're going to talk about it some more i've known cindy for three or four years i met her through a group collaborative project called monster planet uh it's it's really cool four or five different people get together and improvise over um a visual artist named leo maryberry who just cuts together a bunch of old b or sci-fi or just weird weird video clips it's um it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's probably the most fun I've ever had performing live, and it really shaped uh, just kind of how I view live performance in general now. I bring this up because we talk about it a little bit in our conversation, and uh, we don't give any history. So now you know. So when we say Monster Planet, that's what we're talking about. So this was my first episode of the podcast that I recorded. Cindy was nice enough to have me over into her studio, and uh, yeah, she made it. She made it really easy and comfortable for me. Luckily, you know, we're friends, so that that helps. But she also is just so nice, so knowledgeable, and just just so cool. So um, had a great time talking with her. Unfortunately, Ian isn't here for this one. Uh, like I said in the episode one intro, Ian's going to be popping in and out of of the episodes for the first uh, run of 10 or so. Um, I'm going to try and stagger them, though, so we get in at least every other. So hopefully next week he'll be back. 
Before we get into Cindy and I's conversation, I just want to talk a little bit about how much Instagram has helped me find a bunch of really cool new modular music. I never thought Instagram would be the source of that, but it it's proved to be really, really great for it. In fact, the music that you hear right now that has been playing through this intro, it's an artist going by all caps T-A-E-T, Tate, I don't know how to pronounce it, I apologize, but um, the song is called Closed and the album is called Notebook 7. Uh, been really enjoying it. I think you guys should all check it out. So yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there and uh, if you guys have some music that maybe you think I'd enjoy, that you want played on the show, um, send me a link. Uh, podmodcast at gmail.com um, we're just about to get into Cindy and I's conversation but first one more order of business so dear listener let me ask you a question do you like to be part of exclusive clubs do you like access to exclusive material that is not available for free Does that sound enticing to you? Does that sound like I'm a fucking fraud? Guys, I'm having a hard time with this. Um, But the fact of the matter is we have a Patreon. And we have, you know, donor rewards that are yet to be defined. Here are some ideas I have. I would like to uh, make a a cassette release or a vinyl release would be really cool um, of... The, uh, all the different patch challenges from our different guests, um, like a compilation album or something. Um, stickers, t-shirts, all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Do you have any ideas? So in summation, we have a Patreon account, and you can find us at patreon.com forward slash podular modcast, where you can come and help, we know not help, but rather gain access to an exclusive community. That just gave me an idea for a donor reward. How about I make you your own ASMR recording where I talk about control voltage, low frequency oscillators, slope, envelope generators, and 184 HP. I'm so sorry if you don't know what ASMR is. But go Google it. Uh, thanks for listening. Go Google it. 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 So I've been into music about as long as I can remember. Um, I first got interested in making music probably when I was five or six I think I I really uh, was interested in every time I was had access to a piano or Mm -hmm. an organ I was just really interested in in playing that and uh, my parents recognized that and got me one Christmas um, a little organ uh, kind of a kid's toy organ and Mm -hmm. I just was all over that and I must have been probably five or six so you know, that led on to, once I got to junior high school, I joined a band, and one of the teachers 
in our school had uh, like a, a Juno synth oh, and really? actually was generous enough to leave it in the school library so uh -huh. that the students could go in and start, you know, playing on it during lunch breaks or whatever. So that was where I got a little bit more serious uh -huh. about synthesizers. And it's like 12? Yeah. 12, 13? Yeah. Man, I wish I would have had it access was a, to that. <laughs> it was a great opportunity. and Yeah. So we had a, a little band and we just did really horrible covers of, <laughs> you know, 80s music. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so all through high school, I was really heavily involved in the, you know, very uh, small but tight-knit synthesizer community where uh -huh. I lived. So I grew up in northern Ontario, so there were only a handful of us, but we were pretty hardcore into it mm -hmm. and into music, and um, things just kind of went from there. And then I didn't get into modular until... Um, Around the time that the Dope for System started coming out, um, a friend of a friend of mine bought a system, mm -hmm. so I had a little bit of experience with that and um, thought it was great. But then there was this period where modular was just kind of obscure, and not many people that you know were. By then, I was in Seattle, so not many people in the Seattle community really had modular systems yet. So this was like the late '90s, maybe. Okay. So yeah. it seems like it's really picked up in popularity yeah. just in the last just two years or so, like really Definitely. breaking in like mainstream and stuff. So. Yeah, and I think you see that reflected in, you know, how many online communities there are, how many festivals and synthesizers, <laughs> um, you know. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> So the cat just jumped up onto what is that big, big giant synthesizer there? Um, this is an over Oberheim four voice. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> classic. Oh well, that's beautiful sound. That's yeah. uh, I'm gonna do some editing, but that's staying in. For sure. sure. <laughs> so you so let's backtrack a little bit. So you're from Northern Ontario. When, yes. When did you come down to Seattle? Um, I came to Seattle in about '95 originally. Okay. And, uh, you know, I had always wanted to live on the West Coast, so mm -hmm. I initially went from Ontario to Vancouver and spent some time living there and then uh, decided I wanted to come to Seattle for okay. a lot of reasons. I mean, the music scene here was great, always has been, but especially at that time, um, things were really rolling here. And uh, I had a lot of friends here mm -hmm. and it just seemed like a good choice for me at the time. I still love Vancouver, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I came to Seattle around 95 or 96 and uh, been here most uh, most of the last 20 years or so. I did leave for a couple of years to go back to Vancouver to go to the school there, okay. and uh, but most of the, the last 20 years or so I've been here and part of the music community here, which mm -hmm. has always been really strong, and yeah. uh, I think that's one of the great things about this city is the community is so great. I mean, things like Monster Planet really help because it's different people every month. You're you're bringing people into the community and getting them together and all kinds of collaborations come out of that. Yeah. And people get to meet each other. So it's a great way to bring together people that might not have otherwise ever played together. Yeah. Um, so, and not every city has a monster planet, you know, right. it's something that's really unique to Seattle that I think has really helped bring people together and 
kind of develop a community even just around that one that one monthly night you know and it's not the only monthly night either you know there over the years um, there have been a number of other electronic music nights that have come and gone that have really been very popular and well attended and I think it's great you can get a good number of people to come out on a weeknight here yeah. consistently you know week after week or month after month and yeah it's it's there's just a critical mass of people that are interested in not just you know listening to this kind of music but also making this kind of music yeah so yeah meeting meeting uh, Andy and you know Chris and I actually met Ian through Monster Planet um, like I said I'm pretty new relatively to uh, electronic music so to kind of see this improv um, generative ambient collaboration thing happened it was yeah. I don't know it was something that I never thought of but once I saw you like everybody doing it I was kind of like duh like this is this is one of the coolest ideas so yeah, yeah. it's been really it's a really great scene but I think Patchworks has has kind of gave it, it a shot in the arm you know it's it's kind of this new this new uh, hangout it's like when I go there I feel like I, I used to when I always would go to record stores I still love going to record stores, but it's not quite the same. That like close knit community, and you can like talk with everybody and try stuff out. And mm -hmm. hey, you should try this. It, it really has that similar feel to it, so that's that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, you can. It's great because it's a space where you can come in and instantly hop on something and start being creative yeah. and start maybe experimenting with pieces of gear that you wouldn't have otherwise had access to. That that was a big part of it was the fact that there aren't easy ways to try something before you buy it and of course you know a lot of modular and synthesizer gear is available to order on the internet mm -hmm. uh, but it's such a personal thing right yeah. like you, you know you can watch a youtube video of uh, a demo of a piece of gear you're interested in and read this the manual and think i think this is something i would like but until you really you know hear it and experiment with the interface and, you know, are these buttons the kind of buttons that I like the feel of or whatever. It's really hard to know, you know, when you're investing that much in something, you want to make sure that it's really what you want and it's going to work for your system and your way of making music. Yeah. So it's nice to have that, that um, opportunity to try things, I think, for people. Like you said, you could go on Muff Wiggler or you can watch all the demos but having mm -hmm. that hands-on experience is so, so valuable in such a, it's kind of a dense world to get yourself in. It's a steep yeah. learning curve and to yeah. have people around to hang out with who are all there for a very specific reason, like more specific than being in a record store. I feel like with, with modular, there's, there's a level of gearhead and everybody who's there. So yeah. it's kind of, it's cool. You know, everybody scratches each other's back and really figure stuff out. The other thing I love is we have a lot of, beginners or people that heard about modular from a friend or from the internet or whatever and they they come in and and there's this sort of moment where you can see like oh I, this is overwhelming like, uh -huh. <laughs> I don't know what I don't even know where to start and one of the things I love is often you know of course our staff is there to help people with the, you know get introduced to the basic ideas and you know, we'll take people around and show them how to get started. But often the other customers in the store will jump in and say, oh, hey, you know, just here's some here's some helpful tips. Yeah. This is how I got into it. And they strike up a conversation. And it's great to see 
even without us intentionally making these introductions, I've seen people get to know each other just by being customers yeah. in the store at the same time. That's so cool. On the same day. And, you know, that's really great to see. That was our whole goal, was to really provide a place for those kind of interactions to yeah. happen. I feel like if you spend an hour in there, you could walk out kind of having a rough idea of, okay, what would my basic setup be to get mm -hmm. started with this so yeah and there are definitely some brands and products that are easier and more accessible for people that are getting started like yeah. dope for for instance is great mm -hmm. for people that are new to modular um, everything is really simple the interface everything's easy to read it's very logical mm -hmm. uh, and and kind of a the modules go in a linear fashion and we have you know a, a system set up where everything kind of goes from left to right in a way that makes sense then of course you know once you've been at it for a while then you want to have access to some of the more obscure and weird modules that are out there and yeah. and we have those too for people that have been at it for a while yeah mutable stuff is is really interesting yeah and taking a very different direction than what a lot of companies have done and i think that's you know reflected in the popularity of their modules mm -hmm. so you know they yeah they've definitely and it's interesting because there are some people that are very they don't want menus and they don't want digital displays right um and i think they've really have found a good balance between providing all the advantages of you know a menu or saving and loading and all of those types of functions while at the same time making it playable and not, you know, making you menu dive too deep. And a lot of beginners, if they've come from a synthesizer background, they're used to things like presets and menus right. and displays being part of the interface. So it's not, you know, a big, it's a neat kind of a way to ease them into the complete randomness of having a system where every time you're starting from scratch. Right. Which is, it's kind of uh, the the scary, attractive, and daunting aspect of getting into modulars is that kind yeah. of. So. I mean, I've had times where I've set up the same patch exactly with this in the same way, and then I uh, as I had the day before, and it sounds completely different. I've had that too, and I thought that was so. just beginners like not knowing. But and I'm wondering if maybe that's why it's picking up in popularity. Kind of, um, the. Uh, the squirreliness of it almost because I, so many people got into like the bedroom producer and everything's on the laptop and mm -hmm. all this digital and all the plugins, all that stuff is so, it's all so predictable. Yep. It's going to do the exact same thing if you set it up in the exact same way. It got really easy and then maybe it got too easy and people are kind yep. of looking for more of a challenge or something. I think that's absolutely the case. Yeah. So, you know, I think... And also for performance, people realize that going up in front of a crowd and hitting play and, and maybe changing like the cutoff on a filter or something once in a while was just not, it's not fun. It's not fun. That's, you know, yeah. for the performer. And, you know, certainly there are going to be people in the audience that don't, you know, they don't really pay attention or they don't care what's going on. But if I had to play the same set every night, the same songs, you know, just hitting play would it would not be fun for me. No, I I when I first started playing out, and even up until now, I'm still trying to figure out like my mode. But I would bring a synthesizer and a guitar with me, but 
most of everything you'd hear would be like me triggering a backing track. Mm -hmm. And I don't have any judgment towards people who do that. I don't, I mean, I don't want to try to be a jerk about it, but I, I just personally felt kind of fraudulent and got bored and I wasn't excited about shows. And so I think modular has really kind of been like, oh, this is a way I could have a lot of fun and um, keep going with that like improv thing that I I picked up from the Monster Planet guys mm-hmm. and everything. And so it is a little intimidating when you're playing a set and you don't know what it anything about what it's going to be like. <laughs> yeah. Like I think I have talked to a lot of people who have real anxiety yeah. about that, and it's held them back from going completely modular because they, I mean, it's a leap. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, when you show up to do a set and you are starting with a completely blank slate every time, and even if you do patch it up the same way, it's it's going to be a little different every time. It's it's really something where what I've found is it, it requires that you put the hours in and you do that at home day after day. You start from the blank slate day after day. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you start to be able to put it put together almost like little macros or patterns on your system where you're like okay if i hook this up to this and this i've found something that is pretty much the same every time that Mm -hmm. i can start with and then you improvise off of that basic you know but it it really requires a lot more time starting from scratch over and over with the system than making a track in ableton once and then hitting play and maybe dabbling over the top of that but knowing that you've got this this kind of backbone underneath that's supporting the performance like with modular you could turn one knob and suddenly all the music goes away and you're like oh what did i just do (laughs) yeah it's like learning a new instrument but it's 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 it is an instrument but it's it's a totally different like where guitar or drums takes kind of a, a dexterity and a um, a good sense of rhythm and time to play on a beat. This is a lot more cerebral, I feel mm-hmm. like, than it than I feel like playing an instrument, drums or guitar is almost like primal and animalistic and there's a lot of fun with that. This definitely seems a lot more mad scientist y, you know, and Yeah, a little bit. And and you have to really think too. Like you, you can't just randomly plug things in right. and, and hope for the best. Uh, especially in a performance um, at home, you can do that, and sometimes that's a good way to generate interesting new things you wouldn't have thought of otherwise. But um, it's been it's been fun watching kids play with modular. So uh-huh. we do kids events um, from time to time. We have a an event called Noisy Kids. Yeah, I've seen pictures. Um, on... Yeah, so we do that event in collaboration with Monster Planet and Mokito. Um, and it's a blast because you get to see... So basically we set up a bunch of stations with synthesizers and some modular stations. Um, and we invite kids of all ages to come and just play on the gear all afternoon. And mm-hmm. it's a, it's one of the most fun things that we do. And it's been really successful. And what we found is that, you know, kids will go up to something like a a make noise shared system which uh-huh. is incredibly complex yeah. <laughs> and for a lot of adults would be very intimidating uh-huh. and we just they'll go up to it and they'll just 
start experimenting, like plugging things in and wait and, and turning knobs and seeing how that changes the sound. Uh huh. And they don't know what a filter is or a VCO or whatever. They have no idea. Uh-huh. So that's not a, that what's going through their mind. They're just like, well, I have a cable in my hand, and I'm going to plug it in here, and, and I'm going to see if that makes a difference in the sound. And yeah. that kind of approach, I think as adults, if we can adapt that consciously from time to time and just forget about all the math mm-hmm. and and forget about what it is that we're actually doing and just raw experimentation i think that's a really interesting approach to improvisation that everyone should try out i can't imagine you know 12 year old or even eight year old me playing with a modular it probably i would probably be a totally different person if i would have been introduced to it i'm just thinking about yeah i hadn't really thought about that before like you know as a a child who's really interested in like you know um, like synthesizers, but that's a totally different kind of synthesizer than the kind I grew up on. Totally. I mean, that's advanced, yeah. you know? Yeah, so. especially that the make noise system. I, I've gone into the showroom a few times mm-hmm. to try to play with that because I've, I've played with the, the maths and like a telharmonic here and there, but all of that together, it's kind of like, it's, it's very, very steep learning curve because there's yeah. all their stuff's so weird, but so cool yeah it is really it is really cool because once you play with it for a while you realize you start to understand the thought process of the design and then it all starts to make sense but it's not like any other system that's out there so it's like you're you're having to to kind of learn your way around someone else's imagination yeah and then make it your kind of take that and then say okay what am i going to do with this that's a cool way to think about it so yeah that makes more sense once you it just takes it takes some hours on the system to to start to understand how it it was you know meant to be used versus how you're going to then take that and and ex- extend it and make it your own yeah. idea you know they're kind of like the opposite of of doper yeah yeah exactly there's a lot more improvisation involved mm-hmm. for sure yeah so so how yeah how was there like is there like one moment in time where you first somebody said hey check out my modular synthesizer and they like like let you play with it and then it was kind of all over from there or was it a gradual um i would say it was pretty gradual um you know i you know like i i my first exposure to a modular synth was probably like late 90s okay um and that was a, a dope for system, and I thought it was the greatest thing. Yeah. I, I could see the potential of it. Um, you know, I didn't actually purchase any modular gear for a long time after that. You know, I had I had been doing a lot on the computer. I'd done quite a bit of music just using Macs and Ableton, and I, you know, had some older synths that I was making music with and, and just, you know, enjoying that. Um, and doing a lot with plugins and it's like, you know, kind of following that path. And then, um, it was about probably three or four years ago when Eurorack started to really take off that I was like, okay, maybe we should think about getting into modular. And, you know, we, we were lucky enough to get, um, a pretty, pretty significant size com system. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, and that's a 5U system. It's not Eurorack system, but 
it, it was almost like a crash course in how do you, you know, really use a system like that to make the kind of music that you want, that I've been wanting to make, right? Yeah. That's not Mort, is it? Yeah. Or Mort, yeah. yeah. How would you describe Mort other than a giant portion of your wall in your living room? Um, it's... <laughs> Okay, the way I would describe Mort is initially intimidating and, and you're like, oh my god, it's like this huge, you know, it's taller than I am. But the thing about it is it, you can break it down into the same components as a really simple doper system, okay. really, right? Like you have your VCA, your VCO, your filters. It's just that maybe you've got nine oscillators in the system uh -huh. instead of only one or two. <laughs> And there's some bells and whistles, you know, but the basic building blocks are really uh, the same as any analog synth that's out there. Is this part of it here? Yeah, so okay. uh, right in front of us here we have um, what we call Mortable, which is a portable <laughs> version of Mort consisting of just two oscillators, two envelope generators, a VCA, a couple of fun modules like a noise and sample and hold, and then a couple filters and a little four-channel mixer. You know, one of the nice things about the synthesizers.com uh, systems is that oscillators and the filters are modeled after the old Moog modulars. You know, Moog has always been known for having just really, really good bass, mm -hmm. and, and uh, they did a great job of, of uh, replicating that in the synthesizers.com modules. So... I wanted to let's let's talk about how you got started with Patchworks with Tom. So Tom and I, Tom Butcher, my business partner in Patchworks, we've known each other for uh, about twenty years now. Okay, it's been a long time. We happened to both attend Na the Nam conference mm -hmm. three years ago, and I didn't even know he was going to be there. And Nam, for anyone who doesn't know, is a music retail conference where a lot of the new product announcements happen and it's just a crazy show comic-con for gearheads yeah essentially <laughs> so we ran into each other and and started talking and and you know it it was pretty obvious this was three years ago now almost and uh it was pretty obvious that seattle didn't have a synthesizer store and really needed one mm -hmm. because by that point you know portland had control voltage and and that store was very successful and just a great place to hang out and and uh, you know we were really wishing that Seattle had something like that so we both had the idea and we're tossing around independently but once we realized oh well it just makes sense for us to work together on this project it was just a no-brainer at that yeah. point we were very fortunate to find the location that we have through friends that. yeah uh, and it took us about probably three or four months of just getting inventory together, doing all the work to get the shop ready to open. And then we had a grand opening um, just before Thanksgiving, the end of uh, 2016. And that was our grand opening. And so for the first few months, we just operated out of those three little rooms in the back. And it was it was it was like a little secret speakeasy type yeah, situation because you had to walk kind of around the the palm reader ladies <laughs> off, you know <laughs> shop and down the alley and uh -huh. up the stairs and you know we didn't have a real street front um, presence at that point but it was it was cool yeah. it was it was fun to be um, we were just excited to be 
really up and running at that point. And, you know, before we opened the shop, we had been doing um, synth meetups. We had uh, yeah. three or four of those last year where we would just get a big space for the day and invite people to bring whatever gear they wanted mm-hmm. uh, out. And we also had a number of workshops and, and tables set up by the, the manufacturers uh, and dealers, uh, people that we were buying gear from as well. Right. And those, you know, those events were just huge successes. And so it really made us realize that there was a good community, that this was something that, that Seattle really needed. And it helped us spread the word about what we were planning to do and, and opening the shop. So we have an online store and a, and a brick-and-mortar store as well. We have a little area in the back that's big enough to have workshops and classes. And um, that's we are trying to do as many of those events as we can. Yeah. So I got to say, like, that neighborhood is pretty ideal. They're kind of, like, pretty close to that overpass. Mm-hmm. So... You guys can be as loud as you want. That's true. Because like, like, and and it doesn't really affect being inside. You don't yep. really notice it. And then you walk outside and you can hear the freeway, but you can't tell inside. Yeah. And then yeah, you can have you can have your shows and your demonstrations and everything and go as late about. as we want. Yeah. yeah, we'll never get a noise complaint. No. <laughs> and the neighbors, there are neighbors, but they're they they're completely supportive, a hundred percent of what we're doing yeah. and our super into it and enthusiastic and you know really a great little community that we have there so Uh yeah it's nice i can't believe it's already been a year but i think it's just going to keep going i i I think it already has become a staple of the music community and i think it's definitely going to be one of those one of those things you know that like you talk about record stores everybody knows sonic boom and easy Mm -hmm. street and i think patchworks is going to kind of like blaze the trail for for less like gearheads to have our own little place. So, yeah, 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 it's great, and we have uh, big plans for next year, and we're gonna keep growing and expanding and offering more services and lessons and uh, all kinds of new projects that we're working on. So yeah, yeah I'm excited. All right, well let's uh, before we reset up, let's just do this now. So I have got an envelope with adjectives and an envelope with nouns. There's not a lot in there, and I basically just asked on Facebook, so I just randomly took what people posted on me. So if, oh, if, awesome. if they're not that, I tried to avoid anything that was, you know, like inappropriate or anything like that. But um, so yeah, don't don't kill the messenger if you don't like the words, audience. But let's do adjective first. All right, so I'm gonna draw an adjective. Yep. And the adjective is ubiquitous ubiquitous it's a good okay. one okay and then there's your nouns all right and uh our noun is silver ubiquitous silver that sounds like that could lend itself to a patch all right i like it but before we get to this patch a quick word from our sponsor Valetto, one of the most sought-out emerging dance theater companies in New York and Mexico, made a very wise decision in commissioning composer Madeline Kokolis to score their project SOS. This masterfully executed EP is part of a larger dance score in collaboration with Valetto Dance Company for their upcoming Season 4 program. 
Written and produced from a hospital bed following the birth of her second child, SOS arrives as awe-inspiring as we have come to expect when expecting a new batch of songs from Madeline Kokolis. Go to selfcenter.bandcamp.com forward slash album forward slash SOS to check it out. going to describe what we have uh, set up here. So I've got a small synthesizers.com 5U system, uh, and I've got one oscillator hooked up right now with the second available for us to use, probably as an LFO. Uh, I've got that running through a filter and straight into uh, a four-channel mixer and then out um, into uh, my Eurorack system. So I have the audio from that system going into an IntelliGel Rainmaker uh, module, which is a spectral rhythm delay module that has all kinds of fun effects on it. Um, we also have a Korg SQ1 to provide uh, some basic sequencing functionality, and uh, I also have a couple other modules uh, set up in this case, including a quad pingable LFO by 4MS and a spectral multiband resonator also by 4MS which is just a really nice way to add a little bit of color I love their to stuff. the sound. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And the LFO is great because it's got four uh, different separate LFOs so we can be controlling four different things at the same time, oh, cool. too, which is really great. Um, and then I also have a, a, a Korg Volca FM handy if we decide to add some additional sounds uh, it's not modular, but those things are great just to kind of throw in over top if you've got something already going. And uh, yeah, so ubiquitous silver. Uh-huh. Here we go. <laughs> so I'm going to start with just a. I've got it playing a random sequence right now, so we'll go ahead and and iterate on that and kind of start seeing what comes out on that theme.
involved in something starting with like in a random sequence and now it's kind of evolved into something that's a little more in at least for me like thinking about the theme I think we're a little closer to that than uh-huh. we were at the beginning <laughs> it's been a good transition for sure it, it, if you uh, recorded this as a track on an album and called it ubiquitous silver I would I would I would sign on for good that, work for sure Unless we won't count power supply and mixer. Okay. So, um, I would love to have an Intelligel Metropolis sequencer. I don't have one here, but the Metropolis is probably my favorite Eurorack sequencer right uh-huh. now. Um, it's got eight stages. Uh, each stage can be skipped, or it can be a hold, or an individual note, um, and or a rest, and it can be... Uh, there's so much capability for control on mm-hmm. the Metropolis that it's just super fun to play with. Yeah. And it can save and load oh, patterns. Nice. That's so, that's huge. You know, I don't I don't consider that cheating. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be number one. Uh, for a VCO, um, the Make Noise DPO would be my top choice. I haven't even heard of that one. So it's a like a dual oscillator, um, totally analog, amazing sound, and uh, there's a lot of features. Uh, you know, you can really um, modulate one oscillator with the other in some really interesting ways. Uh, it's just an all-around really great VCO. Uh, I definitely would want my Rainmaker uh-huh. because I use it constantly. I do a lot of ambient, kind of drone type music. Uh-huh. So it's a digital module, but um, I love it. That's IntelliGel, right? Yeah. Yeah, IntelliGel is one of my favorite uh, Eurorack manufacturers. <laughs> um, Mutable Instruments Rings is yeah, another one. That's I, a cool one. I could not be on a desert island without i i've gotten some really crazy sounds out of the rings yeah like just it's it's really really a, a wonderful uh module to do kind of physical modeling string type sounds with um and then you know if i had to pick i think i'm allowed one more yeah i think five is so small but i feel like a, a, yeah. ten, a ten module list would probably take a while to walk through. So, it's not a module, but one thing I definitely uh, would recommend that we just recently discovered, uh-huh. and you may have seen this at the shop when you were there, the Landscape All Flesh controllers. Have you seen those? They're like, like little thumb pads. So, I could plug one in here oh, and one in here, and what you do is you put your finger on the pad here and here and it and you your body acts as the cable (laughs) so (laughs) i'm not saying it eliminates the need for cables because you're always going to have all these connections that you want to be stable but if you're just interested in seeing what happens if i plug this into that you can just plug them in and put your fingers on them. That's crazy. Now, are they so, are they 16 or, or quarter? They're, or Euro, they're Eurorack okay. format. Yeah, so that, they're the little eight-inch eight inch, size yeah. cables. But um, you just buy them as a kit. You can get five pairs for 25 bucks. You have to solder them yourself. Uh-huh. 
Um, but it's pretty straightforward. And then you've got these instant patch points so that, you know, it's really great for de for doing demos uh -huh. of, a, of a big system um, because, you know, for me to reach from here to here, like like a, a four or five foot span, I would need to have all these really long cables yeah. to do that. But we can use those and just demo modules to that people is... at the shop without having to have all these really long cables. I imagine it have, could have some cool... Um live performance applications as yeah. well oh it's cool and it's then so you start cool. to ask well what happens if what happens if i put my my left hand on two of them and my right hand on one of them what happens then <laughs> and it's all just electricity uh -huh. right yeah so it's by it's it's biological it's it's physical that's crazy so what are they called Landscape is the company, and All Flesh, All Flesh. is the name of them. I would have definitely picked some up. I, yeah. I, I well, now it's just another reason to go back and hang out at the store, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we've been having a lot of fun with those the last That's few weeks. Awesome. Well, thanks again. That was... This is uh, this is, like makes me see how much fun this is gonna be to like just go see how other people walk you know walk through all their their stuff and. Um, well, that's the the best thing about modular is it really allows you to be uh, expressive in your own individual way, probably uh, more than any other you know any other way of making music with electronics. So yeah, sky's cool. the limit. Right on. Well, thanks again. Yeah, thanks a We've lot. Got, this has been fun. Yeah, we got an hour and 20, or let's see.